Hello and welcome to Your Active's Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Natasha Foote. And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Your Active's Agri-Food News Team. So this is the last episode of the year. The last of 2020. What a year yeah. it has been. And <laughs> but we weren't going to get here. We weren't going to get, we weren't going to make it through. But here we are. I mean... Since we don't know when there will be the next episode, I mean, I haven't said whether there will be a new episode, but I'm just saying that we don't know when there will be the next one. What will people do without their weekly fix of our podcast? I don't know. Enjoying their holidays, okay, maybe. <laughs> what are they going to do without our dulcet tones? I don't know. It's a good question, actually. Good okay, question. It's okay. We'll be back in the new year, guys. Don't don't you worry about it. We got you. And to celebrate this moment, uh, we had thought of a special way to to remember the good time we spent together, uh, chit chatting about you agriculture, and such good times. Yeah, and, and we summed up the whole year in uh, three highlights, three leading debates, and and three trends. So let's start with the, the highlights. Rule of three. Yeah, three. Three is is a magic number, they say. <laughs> so let's start with the highlights, and uh, and it, it is impossible not to start with the farm to fork strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the much awaited EU's food policy. That at a certain stage, it seemed it could have the answer to everything, basically, mystery of life included. <laughs> There was uh, there was a lot of hype even before the pandemic. I remember there was a long series of uh, leaks, yeah, and it has been delayed twice. And actually, the presentation of the strategy was a maybe for a while, in a sense that there was some push, let's say, to reconsider the opportunity to unveil it in the midst of the pandemic. Mm. But in the end, uh, it was presented in uh, at the end of May. What a lead up. Yeah. So much hype. Yeah. So much hype leading up to this this moment. <laughs> yeah, and, and also together with the biodiversity strategy. Yeah? Of course. And yeah. uh, and it's still being discussed. Uh, the European Parliament is about to... It is actually discussing. And um, they're going to present a report. Just to uh, do this recap, in terms of concrete targets, uh, the Commission proposed an ambitious 50% cut for the use and risk of pesticides, as well as... A 50% reduction of highly uh, hazardous pesticides, a 20% cut in fertilizer use, a 50% reduction of antibiotic use in farming and aquaculture, and, and all by 2030, and compared to the EU's current level. Tripling as well, or the land farmed under organic as well. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, it's, it's like a... Contentious issue. Yeah, 25% of EU agricultural land to... Uh, Organic farming, which is actually triple the annual conversion rate of uh, of organic farming. So uh, big ambitions. Yeah. So the the second moment, the second highlight of the year, is the EU budget deal. I know that it seems not linked to agriculture, but this was extremely important because all the common agricultural policy negotiations were put on hold, uh, waiting for EU leaders to agree on the uh, next seven-year budget, which starts in uh, uh, 2021, actually. And, uh, and of course, this budget includes the total amount of camp spending. 
So this paved the way for the approval of the mandates uh, that the institution approved in November, which is our third moment. So what we we call the final cap down. By ooh, should we sing it? <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't know. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't. I won't do that. Don't worry. I mean, by some cruel and, and strange twist of fate, I'd say a cosmic joke. Both European Parliament's plenary and the gathering of ministers uh, that will have approved the mandate to start negotiations for the common agricultural policy uh, happened in the same week. What do you mean? It was the most exciting week ever. We had our live blog. It was it was all systems go. I mean, I'm I'm kind of grateful it came at once. It was a very exciting time. I remember that week fondly. How about you? Yeah, yeah, we had some fun. Yeah, yeah. I can say that. But it was it was you know uh, stressful as well, both for yeah. um, even negotiate not negotiator, but I mean uh, MEPs, minister, for everyone, for everyone, involved, yeah. everyone involved. Yeah. But it was so special because again, it was at the center of the EU policy making, and in a certain sense of the world. No, considering the <laughs> the media coverage that the. Uh, for instance, the veggie burger ban had, or even the fact that uh, uh, Greta Thunberg uh, stepped mm. in. So. Greta got involved. No, yeah, no, no, put no. the cap on the map. Everyone's talking about it now. It's very fashionable now. But you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the public op- opinion remembered that agriculture exists. <laughs> and we were the trendsetters. We were there before it was fashionable. Indeed. Just want to put that out there. So that's all for the um, three highlights of the year. Would you? Tell us about the three main debates. Absolutely. So, yeah, as well as the highlights, we're going to look a little bit at at the most controversial topics this year, the biggest debates that we've been having. And there's been a lot of them, to be fair, but there's a few that stand out for us. So one is over this um, longstanding battle about the Nutri-Score, the nutritional label that uh, basically there's ambitions to make a kind of mandatory nutritional label in the EU. Um, And this has been super controversial. There's basically plans to kind of make this Nutri-Score, which converts the nutritional value of food into kind of a color-coded A to, what is it, A to E, A to D? A to E. A to E, uh, make it color-coded and give this information on the front of the front of food packaging for consumers to understand what the value or what the nutritional value of their food is. Um, but there's been a lot of backlash about this, especially from actually Italy has been very outspoken on this, haven't they, Gerardo? Also because, I mean, it's it's a bit the, you know, kind of a, the little brother of the traffic light system uh, that it's uh, mm-hmm. in the UK, no? Uh, yeah. That it's probably the, the thing that the Italians ate the most when it comes to label. I mean, of course, it's, it's a bit different because, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you have also a code again this letter the system with letters but at the same time it's basically uh replicate the you know this color system mm-hmm. so they proposed another another in open defiance of this uh nutri score they propose their own um system a nutri form which is basically a battery system that you know there's a real battery that basically suggests to the consumer the amount of intake for you know the the main uh, component of food, 
actually at the last Sacrifice Council, but we're going to talk about later. Mm. Um, there was uh, not the final battle because it's it's, it's something that it will will yeah, and uh, and in the end the the council have decided to you know actually didn't decide didn't decide that's actually the point yeah, yeah didn't decide didn't manage to reach a consensus on yeah. it i mean it's a pretty thorny issue i mean i think you know there's a lot of emotion behind it as well um a lot of kind of these national products things like olive oil um um certain cheeses things like that that you know people feel uh are disadvantaged by this kind of system um and they talk about how much it kind of simplifies nutritional values so it's, it's pretty interesting it's also i mean the eternal battle uh, when it comes to labeling mm. i mean deciding at ministerial level and finding a common agreement at the member state level because in Definitely. the end okay the commission could propose but at the same time if the if the lawmakers if the legislator uh don't back this aspiration of having an harmonized system it's a bit useless no yeah definitely no i mean it kind of represents this kind of wider issue of labeling generally and there's been a big focus on labeling with the farm to fork strategy which we spoke about earlier um and and the different ambitions to kind of inform consumers because consumers are saying that they want to know more about their food um which is great which is a good thing you know to get consumers closer to their food and understanding where it's come from and what you know what's involved in it and help them make their choices uh, more appropriately but yeah it kind of like you know is this wider issue that we're talking about here um, of how we reach consensus on this and um, between all the member states it's, it's it's a huge problem and obviously as we spoke about just uh, just before um ministers yeah did not reach a consensus on this kind of this, this difficult issue so it's going to pass on although there is still the ambition to work towards a mandatory nutritional nutritional label it's still alive and well um so this is uh but by no means the last time we'll hear about um issues of nutritional labeling and nutri-score but there was some success actually on the labeling front so the agricultural ministers did manage to give the green light to an eu-wide animal welfare labeling system and that's also something that's championed in the farm to fork strategy um you know so plans to kind of try and make it clearer to consumers when they're buying meat products uh, the conditions that the animals were not just raised in but throughout the whole lifespan of the animal um, and there'll also be more conversations coming up on origin labeling which is a pretty big topic as well something that um, uh, consumers say that they want to understand more where their food comes from and actually the eu agricultural commissioner janusz wojarski um he he put his weight behind this as well and in, in the press conference afterwards he was saying that consumers w- have the right to know where their food comes from, what what field, um, and how it was raised. So, origin labeling coming up as well. Um, so, an, an ongoing debate, shall we say, debate of twenty twenty, but an ongoing debate into twenty twenty one. I'm sure. But let's back to the best, more no best debates. Back to the best debates. The... Let's go backwards, not forwards. Um, so yeah, we also had the infamous veggie burger debate, which I think you already touched upon a little bit. Um, this idea of can you call a veggie burger a burger or a veggie sausage a sausage and, and this became really the kind of uh, the landmark um, issue to do with the cap and the cap negotiations I think people almost thought that the whole week of the, the plenary week was all dedicated to to this issue I mean it became really really heated but I mean I think this kind of betrays a, a much a deeper battle that's going on a deeper debate 
about um you know sustainability in the food system and uh the meat versus plant-based debate that we're having generally and whether we should reduce our meat consumption and how we consume this and um uh yeah this kind of meat versus plant-based issue which again is not something that's going to go away anytime soon um, no no indeed it's it's uh, it's a new fracture in the indeed, yeah. uh, political um sphere uh particularly the, the the one based in brussels so you have a, a real fight between this uh emerging plant-based sector and the livestock sector, mm-hmm. let's, let's call it. And it's um, a, a new debate that's also producing some interesting kind of new alliances as well, you know, between NGOs, between campaigners, but also with um, kind of industry players um, that have stepped forward and are kind of like, you know, joining forces. And I think it's creating some interesting interesting alliances on this debate as well i mean it's a, you remember the as you mentioned the unholy alliance between the greenpeace and uh, and nestle <laughs> yeah, and ikea when it comes to the veggie burger <laughs> yeah. bar, no Definitely. so they they signed a press release together no i know yeah for sure that's kind of what i was talking about you know it's making some kind of interesting policy landscapes and you know lobbying landscapes that's going on and we we've actually seen the the fracture that you highlighted even in the recent outcry on the become beefitarian mm-hmm. uh, issue mm-hmm. so f- for for those who might be unaware there was uh, this campaign that received eu funding uh, and this campaign is intended to promote high quality agricultural products and uh, although the commission is not responsible for the content it was under attack because as we mentioned before in farm to fork strategy there's a, a push toward more plant-based diets and and actually it seems that with this um, this campaign that promote spanish meat products it actually seems to ultimately promote the consumption of of uh, of meat in general mm-hmm. So, for instance, we've seen on Thursday, uh, the Commission uh, released a, a statement that's basically decided to allocate, like every year, 182 million for the promotion of EU agri-food products in and outside the EU. But this time, it will prioritize organic products, fruits, vegetables, and sustainable agriculture. So it seems like a correction after. To the yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and again, it's uh, it's about uh, money allocation, and was in probably because I mean it's it's my assumption, but it was probably um, um, you know forged by this uh, um, outcry mm. that is basically uh, showing the exist you know that this fracture between the plant based sector and the livestock sector exists. Mm, yeah, definitely. I'm just going to highlight as well our third. Um, you know big debate of this year which is around food security so I think this is kind of the phrase that we heard again and again this year um, and really the coronavirus pandemic has really shone a light on kind of the importance of food security and it's really reawakened this conversation given it a kind of renewed importance um, I think it was always there in the background but you know it's really renewed debates over food security and we had kind of on the one hand we had uh, environmentalists and actually the environment commissioner Virginia Sinkevichness who was talking about actually the fact that we that food security is not an issue anymore in the EU um, so he came out to say that rather than food security the main issues are now climate change sustainability and biodiversity 
And on the other hand, we had agri stakeholders saying, no, food security is still an issue. And uh, the coronavirus pandemic has, has shown that it's an issue. And we're talking about a lot about food shortages. We saw with the kind of the first lockdown, especially um, different food shortages and people were worried about access to food. And we had the green lanes in the EU to try and move food around um, and we there were a lot of issues of borders and borders being closed and that really negatively affected food trade and we also had um, issues in, in agri-workers it's really shone a spotlight on that as well um, the kind of insecure the, the areas of the food chain that were, that were not resilient shall we say and you know it's insecure and so this has really thrown up this question of food security again so lots of debates going on about what the best strategy for food security is we saw a kind of turn to almost protectionist strategies from some member states as a reaction um in the first lockdown you know talking about a turn to local which is very much still in the narrative very much still in the conversation people are talking about that a lot and also the role of trade and how trade dependent we should be you know global versus local um, and how trade can help or, or not help food security and the resilience of our food system. So that's been another huge debate this year that pandemic has really shone a spotlight on. I mean, these are these are very good point, as you mentioned, uh, trade, the impact on trade that uh, besides uh, what you've just said, this debate also show the switch toward let's say, a different way of uh, conceiving, not agriculture in general, but the role that agriculture spending has in the EU. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, addressing food security is is still embedded in the treaties. Yeah. There's the Article 39, I think, of the Treaty on the Functioning of the European Union that basically say this. So agricultural policy that is put in place in the EU uh, aim at reaching food security because of course it was conceived in a completely different time yeah i mean we we just went out of the war and there was the issue of it wasn't not even a, a protectionist way to address the issue but it was really about uh, you know food security mm. yeah practically and um and and again food security is still a crucial element of the the main uh, uh, use of farming subsidies program, so the, the cap. So this debate could be the beginning of the of the end uh, of you know the way we conceive the common agricultural policy. So mm. the common agricultural policy as we know it. That's why it's it's particularly interesting mm. because uh, I think it, it could you know this debate could could uh, occupy our days uh, in the next uh, decade, mm, the whole way that we conceive conceive our food system and our subsidies program definitely potential reorientation or reconsideration. Um, definitely, the pandemic has thrown up some uh, very very interesting uh, very interesting points, very interesting debates. And uh, lastly, we try to to collect the best. The interesting issue that, that happened in 2020 but could have some consequences in uh, 2021. Starting with, of course, the pandemic. We spoke a lot about the EU reaction to the pandemic when it comes to agriculture. We've seen um, that the Commission, but even member states, have put forward 
specific and targeted measure to address the, the many difficulties faced by the agri-food sector due to uh, the COVID pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, for instance, restriction in the movement of foodstuff, but even in uh, agricultural labor. So, uh, mm. and of course, changes in operation of the production systems. Uh, again, insufficient workforce. You remember the, you know, Dracus caused by the um, Romanian workers that should have been basically. Uh, parachuted on in, in Italy fields or in, uh, in the UK. In the UK, so that's one thing that we probably a trend. It's not a trend, but it's a, you know something that happened, and you need to go. A theme of the show. A yeah. theme, a theme. There's also a debate about what the Commission or the EU could do. You know, it's it's not only even even um, measures that address the liquidity issue are temporary measures. So at the same time, it could be a theme that will basically, it could have effect in the next years. So Mm -hmm. it could probably need or require a different approach that it's more systemic uh, rather than, you know, I give some money to farmers that are facing issues or trouble and and we keep them uh, afloat, no? The second one is the relationship between agriculture and environment in the public opinion. Dealing with agriculture and food in the European Union has been traditionally linked to, for instance, food safety. The biggest debate of the decade, I think, was the one on pesticides, the glyphosate one. Or or even on, uh, not only on food safety, but again, on food security, no? Uh, milk quota, subsidies, you know. Mm-hmm. What is particularly clear after this year is that the environmental issues are becoming more and more important in public opinion. And this will uh, will have an effect even in the way the the citizens are, are basically in contact with farmers, no? Mm-hmm. I mean, even even the the demand from citizens are changing. Uh, the NGOs are quite vocal. I mean, we're discussing about the the cap withdrawal, but actually, the real fuel behind this cap uh, withdrawal debate uh, are basically NGOs, no? Mm-hmm. So uh, this is um, an interesting theme. I know. I mean, you said it all. Really. I mean, it, it definitely sustainability and environment you know emerging as really key themes um you know in, in the agricultural sector and will continue to to do so i think more and more that the two emerging and you're seeing so many kind of links between the environment and agriculture that, that it can't not really um you know and, and having those voices in the mix is i think it'll just there'll be more and more kind of conversation about this the last key thing is um, that actually involved the communication of the European Commission, and we're referring to the way the Agricultural Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski is using his Twitter account. He's very active on on Twitter, on social media, and we're and we're very grateful for it. We <laughs> we appreciate it very much. Yeah, I mean, you remember the the comments on animal farming that prompted uh, criticisms from uh, farmers. In fact, I think I wrote a whole article based, <laughs> based on that. 
um, on his pet. On it, I mean, it's a window into his kind of pet, pet issues and pet kind of you know concerns. So it's pretty interesting to be in this, especially this year that's been so virtual. Everything's been virtual. We've been you know all of our information has had to be virtual and shared on uh, social media, everything else. That it's an interesting glimpse. And even, and even this this fact that it's basically treating in uh, both in Polish and in English, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Which is, which is not super common. I mean, for uh, even the Italian commissioner Gentiloni is, is quite active even in Italian. But I mean, normally commissioners tend to uh, interpret their their institutional. I mean, they, their Twitter account as an institutional. Uh, account mm. no you have even polyglot uh, accounts like the one of von der Leyen, but she has different uh, tasks let's say mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely kept a strong a strong link to the, the polish community and... yeah but particularly about this issue that is basically popping up every week which is you know accident car accident in polish caused by uh, you know um distracted distracted pedestrians my personal favorite was his recent tweet with those beautiful dogs in the field in in poland that where he he grew up on his farm i thought that was an absolute highlight for me <laughs> highlight of 2020 highlight of commissioner wojowski's tweets no i mean we had also this discussion with some stakeholders i mean people in the bubble no and mm-hmm. sometimes I mean, more than once uh someone mentioned this use of Twitter uh, like uh, Donald Trump does, mm. actually did. I tend to think, because I mean, very direct, uh, without without any filter, mm. I think we should consider it or interpret it in, in a more positive way. You know? Because I mean, it tells a lot uh, more about his personality, you know, the fact Absolutely. that uh, it was raised in a farm and animal welfare is particularly... It's a topic particularly dear, and Definitely. we knew that because of, of, of his tweet. Yeah, that's what I mean. I feel like it gives this kind of more, you know, this glimpse into his into his world and, and what he what his main his main issues are. It's it's a it's a super interesting way to kind of communicate, and I I think it's great. <laughs> and with this re- this uh, high level reflection on. Uh, the way on the agriculture commissioner using his Twitter account. I think that's uh, enough. Yes. Even mm. for this year, not only for this podcast. <laughs> yes. We will bid all of our listeners farewell until the new year. Yeah, that was it. What a hell of what a hell of a year that we've had. So that's all from us this week and actually from this year as well. So um thanks for sticking with us this year and listening to our podcast. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and we will continue to do so in the new year. So until then, we hope that uh, you'll have a, a safe uh, and happy Christmas and a good restful break. And that's all from us. And this week, the AgriFood podcast uh, was produced, as always, by your Active's AgriFood team, Gerardo Fortuna and Natasha Foot, with the technical support of Evi Chiori. And this podcast is also available on all major streaming platforms, including Apple, Amazon, Stitcher and Spotify.